This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time. Let's get started. Everybody, welcome to the Master Marketer Show. I've got Adam back here with me. Adam is the director of marketing of Canadian Spark Solutions. Adam, good to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, to frame up the topic here, we we're talking about events, uh, in-person events, and you know, as we're getting out of COVID, if you will, and events are back in full force. You know, you're seeing everybody. Post their photos from Inbound and from Saster and you know other uh, other events. There are a lot of you know, and a lot of companies are starting to set up do their own events too, and it's a huge effort. A lot of people see it and they want to do it, but they either a don't think they can or they're scared to do it because it's expensive and a big effort. But uh, you have done an awesome job of really baby stepping your way into it and really having the right mindset of why do you do it and how do you do it. And that's what I love to talk about. So um, from what I know in our past conversations, you started the Industrial Marketing Summit back in 2019. Correct. And you baby stepped your way into what it is today, which is a much bigger event, standalone, etc. So. Tell me what what was the thought process like? Why why start the summit in the first place? I mean, I know there are manufacturing selfish. Events I was out being there. selfish. I wanted to go to an industrial marketing event, and it did not exist. And I was frustrated that it didn't exist. I was I wanted to learn from my peers and see what actual marketers were doing at real manufacturing businesses and industrial suppliers and these things. And I couldn't find it. And I'd gone to inbound. I'd been to content marketing world. I've been to other events in the space and you could always extrapolate the nuggets, you know, the, the, the B2C thing that you can take two leaps and apply it to B2B or whatever. But there was never a real one-to-one -one industrial marketing event. So, um, we took the leap and uh you know uh fortunately we had a partner event to, to do it with the first couple of times which helped us um on the logistics and the infrastructure side uh, we were an event within an event and um from there it grew and we listened to the audience and uh got to the point where we're taking it uh to be a standalone event let's talk mindset and how should like let, let's say you know, take your situation? I mean, you were I think you guys, you were a small team, right? It was maybe yeah. two or three people, right? Yeah. Um, how should a marketing leader in that type of situation, uh, and even like a piggyback event, which is what you did, which I, I want to dig into specifically, and that's still a big effort, right? This is not it's not something you just kind of go, hey, we're doing an event, and you know, yeah, you can you can do that. You won't you know you won't get the results that you want, yeah. right? So, again, thought process and mindset. Like, how did you frame this both for your team and executive leadership? Like, how did you frame it for them to think about uh, so that it was set up for success? Yeah, a lot of it is 
it seems like, oh, overnight, we said in 2018 we're going to have an event in 2019, and we just did an event. But it really, there was seven or eight years of our our marketing process evolving to there. So we were really, a lot of our content is built on customer stories, and that started as an evolution from things that are simple as just like a customer interview and publishing it into a press release announcement kind of a thing to, to videos, to on-site videos, and then to to giving uh, these marketers that we work with a platform. And uh, so it wasn't just like jumping in ice cold to the, to the deep end. We were really, it was, it was just, we were stacking these, these blocks of industrial marketing stories to the point where, all right, the next thing here is to have an in-person event. So what I like about the thought process on that is you're not thinking about this as a tactic. You're thinking about this, how is this an extension or a distribution channel for an existing strategy that we already have? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it's twofold. So um, the, the part of the strategy is we're always, we work with all these industrial manufacturers and we're always trying to help them see new ways to promote their products um, on a consultative way. We're not always, it's not, got nothing to do with us selling them a thing at a certain point. It's us trying to help them level up. And by helping them connect with each other and helping them learn from each other and see the best of the best how they do it, everybody does a better job and it makes our jobs easier at the end of the day and everybody wins. And the other, I mean, what I'm hearing from you there is you're, this is not about Cadenas or any of the other sponsors, which I'm sure you have, you know, for the event. Yep. It's about the customer. And it's about the the attendee. Exactly. So how and, do you? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that was, go ahead. Uh, what I was going to ask you is like, how do you? How do you again frame that up as, um, as the value internally? Like, how do you, um, help your team and executive leadership sort of see that as a good thing versus like, hey, we're going to plaster our logo all over the place and that's going to benefit us and we're going to talk about ourselves and whatever because i think you and i probably it, we, they see it they see like it that. through the goodwill generated the amount of goodwill generated from doing a good thing and you know we could write a hundred articles or a hundred videos that's like us two thumbs in the at ourselves how fantastic we are our solutions are and it'll get about this much traction when we when they can see the smaller volume of content but the larger acceptance and people buying into it and really enjoying and sharing and believing in it, it's just, it, you know, it's, it's the snowballs rolling down the hill and it's just another way to, to build onto it. Tell me, like, why an event, right? So what you told me is it was an evolution of our marketing strategy. We, it's all about telling customer stories. Why an event? Why not a... Uh, I don't know, why not just do a focus on a customer advisory board? Maybe you already have one of those. Or why not uh, more podcasts? I know you, were, you guys were running a podcast as well. Why not do more of those or live, you know, live event, virtual events or things like that? Why an in-person event? It's not the event. It's everything around the event. So the event is, the, you know, it's the, ma it's the main event. But all the things, all the relationships that are built – all the conversations, all the hallway chats over, you know, a taco or a beer or whatever happens, 
are so much more valuable. You know, I, you know, I've made great friends uh, by taking somebody that I knew professionally. You hang out for a couple times at an event, and you find out, oh shoot, I now we have this in common, or oh, you were in bands too back in the day, or whatever the thing is. And then it, it's just there's so much more. It's like the difference between, and I'm definitely not a, all about the in the office guy, but there's just those intangible things that can happen from hallway chats or or you know a quick conversation with somebody that uh, at the office that turns into something more, and it's the exact same thing in an event. Yeah, but you're definitely speaking my language, with, you know, kind of with that relationship first mindset. Um, how I mean, how important is that? Like you mentioned, you know, I hear this a lot from people talking about, you know, whether it be being active on LinkedIn or going to events and things like that and talking about, um, you know, I was able to make friends from these professional acquaintances, let's just say. Um, how important is that to the business? It's hard to put a number on it at the end of the day. I think um, there's twofold. I mean, there's friends that are uh, in our orbit and that are LinkedIn, the LinkedIn parallel or whatever, people that help magnify our message and we help magnify their message. But there's also, you know, we are a digital business and we have sold a digital tool for 20 years. And there, we have customers that we've never sat in the same room with before because we've never had to. They're on the other side of the country. We'll do, we do regular web meetings and all those things, but taking it from digital to reality, just there's something there that, that is uh, intangible. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think it's those intangibles that are often the most important. And it's, it's interesting, actually, I don't know, I'm curious on your thoughts on this. I'm going a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> Love we a call tangent. them... You know, we call them intangibles. The reality is, I think, if we really tried and we looked at the measures of what a healthy relationship looks like, I think we would see things and we would we do see things like, you know, uh, incremental uh, referral revenue and incremental LTV is when we when I talk about LTV, it's not like how many times did a customer renew, it's that plus how much business did they refer to you? Yeah. Right? And then looking at it also as uh, the LTV of a relationship. So it might be something, somebody that's not a customer, but they were continue, they refer you business and things like that. Yeah. So are those things that you measure at all? Um, to some degree. I mean, I can tell you around the event when we had, you know, last uh, time was 2022 and I could tell you, we saw, you know, there was some tangibles. There was an increase in web traffic or an increase in conversations, but, um, yeah, it's just, it feels dirty when you're like, uh, I'm, I, how many more relationships did you make? It's like when I, I sent my, send my five year out at the door and say, go make some friends. It's, it feels forced like that. So there's something like, I don't know how to, you know, you know what I'm saying? I see marketers and sales folks and things like that consistently, like almost afraid to admit that the reason they're doing some of these activities is to drive business. But then there's all, and, and it's just, it's, it's just weird. And I don't know, I don't know that I have an answer to it, but it's like, yeah, we can definitely trace business back to it, but it wasn't. So the challenge with our, a lot of what we do is we, we nurture so many of our prospects for so long that mm -hmm. it's another touch point along the way. And uh, we can see, you know, there's some key touch points, especially when we're hanging out for a mm -hmm. while and, 
uh, you know, they're learning more about our team and, and who the people are, those kind of things. It's a great adder and it's a great way to, to, to prove that you're a group of humans mm-hmm. uh, worthwhile of doing business with. Yep. No, I, I love that you said that because I think that's the, for me, the, the justification, if you will. So, you know, again, we're sort of afraid to admit, well, yeah, we're doing this for business impact, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if there was no tangible business impact, I have a feeling that leadership wouldn't approve this for next year, right? You can always but, compare it against, you could go visit 100 customers and see how expensive that gets, and it's yep. probably more expensive than this. Uh, yep. So you could you could pit it against, uh, you know, one-on-one meetings, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that, but I think what I was getting at is it's this, hey, we're, we're a group of humans, that makes business better and easier, right? And it builds trust, which, which justifies this, well, yeah, we're doing this because we want a result, but we're also human beings, and human beings need contact. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. So really the, the main thing, you know, from a mindset perspective, customer and relationship first is the way you really have to think about, I mean, I would say all marketing, but definitely an event. Yeah. So let's talk skill set. Uh, you know, something you mentioned, again, going back to, this was an evolution of an existing strategy. It was about telling customer stories. What are the skill sets needed to tell customer stories effectively? And then I'd love to take that and dovetail into how does that translate to events? I think to tell the story, you have to, you kind of have to turn on your journalist mind. You have to, uh, I ask my team to remove themselves and us from the conversation when at all possible and just make it about the customer and make it, you know, where we want to come to it with uh, a curious mind and ask good questions and, and, and find the story there as opposed to, you know, we start a lot of times with these customer stories and somebody's like, yeah, just send me the questions. I'll email them to you. And we're like, could we just, if we talk in person, it's going to be that little nugget that falls out of it that we can build a whole story around. And that's all these things. And when you, when you can talk in person, because everybody can copy and paste the about us and send it to us and we can regurgitate it and it just, it'll fall flat. But when you can build it uh, genuinely uh, from something that a human said and another human interprets and, and, publishes it becomes more and that's i mean we've done hundreds of these over the years we would lose our mind writing the same story over and over again so from it from our our own sanity side of things it's like could we we got to find unique ways to tell these and unique threads and and unique applications of these marketing tools that's actually that's an interesting um thread to me pull on a little bit so you know you can make and maybe incorrectly make the argument, well, you know, manufacturers and manufacturers and manufacturers. Like how many, how many different stories are there? So how do you make things, how do you make these stories interesting when maybe you're on story number 100? Uh, you got to find that thread. So we start asking stories, probing questions about their process and their products and who exactly their customers are. And, uh, you know, they love sharing uh, you, you know, these manufacturers are all unique and especially the ones that sell a commodity product, they don't want the copy and paste from commodity product number two. They do some, their, their delivery is faster or their processes are different and they want to tell you about that. That applies to all, everything 
you know that you don't see on the product every day so when you crack open the lid and you start talking to them about what they do and how they do it and who they're doing it for it's like wow i thought you were exactly like company b but it's completely different and your pain points are different and your customer um needs are different so let's take that um to the event side of things so okay. obviously when you're whatever making case studies makes sense how do you then take that say journalistic mindset if you will and and skill set i should say and make an event that allows encourages these people to tell interesting stories so there's it's that's twofold so one one of those ways is i've heard some of these pain points again and again and again in these in these customer interviews and i can say you know seo seo is a common thread that our audience really would like to hear an industrial take on and so so some of some of the speakers are companies we know and co companies that we work with that's a couple of them are many of them are companies that are relevant to them and we're trying to foster a learning relationship between them so things like seo and ai and uh marketing automation these things that we hear again and again and again manufacturers are struggling with we're just we're, we're trying to just curate um a selection of of uh presenters that will be relevant to them and help them level up and and we're just there to facilitate that are you doing anything to help the various presenters figure out their topic. Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely, that was one of the things I learned the first time and I didn't do enough of that. I didn't, I mean, I, we, we talked about the, the, the high line, what's your topic, the, the abstract, and I kind of let them all go. And a couple of them stepped on each other's toes a little bit and, and told the same similar nuggets. So since then, we really dig in and we try to talk about what are we going to talk about? What is this, what's the story and how do we keep it in this lane? Um, that's both relevant but doesn't overlap so we have you know eight or ten people speaking and we don't hear eight of the same same thing well, there's no chance of that this time but it's definitely something that we we work with the speakers to make sure they're prepped uh they're comfortable and they're telling something that really means something in this audience so journalistic mindset to help people tell their stories what other skill sets would you say are important uh to put on a, a good event? That's a tough one. Um, Cause it's, I mean, I, I think having a good team around you delegating um, uh, this time we are partnering with uh, the teams at gorilla 76 and true marketing, which is just a huge boost to us. Um, especially because uh, Wendy Covey at um, true is, in Austin, that's where the event's going to be. She's boots on the ground, and she's fantastic with those kind of logistics. So I think having a great team around you, delegating, um, and then it, it's a little bit of just uh, one of the things that came up uh, last time, uh, especially with our social media team, was we were getting sick of our own story on this one. It's like, okay, we're at six months of talking about this event. Uh but but just stay in the course uh, because everyone because we kept asking people are you guys you know it even came up and they're like you guys are doing a great job 
the right cadence, the right volume of talking about it, the right mix of, of content about it. But after you have about the, you know, the 30th post about something on LinkedIn, you're like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> one more of these. So uh, stay in the course, believing in what you do. Um, and, but also listening to the feedback. If somebody's like, all right, it's a little bit, a little bit much on this, you can dial it back. Two things I want to dive into. First is you mentioned this time around you're partnering with two other organizations. Yep. Um, talk to me about that. Like, how do you, how do you select the right partner to host an event with? It's people that I trust and that we trust. And I have worked, you know, tangentially with Wendy and Joe for years um, in different ways. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's somebody that like, I feel fully comfortable kind of going into battle with and that I've known for quite a while. So it wasn't just an out of the blue thing. It's not just somebody that we, we, we sent a couple emails and, and did this. I, they know us and we know them and it, it really helps as far as just trust and um, ability to lean on each other and each other's teams. So you don't have to name any, any names, but were there any other partners that you considered before you settled on nope. these two? No, so you already knew like those. It's not like you were. It had come up. We, I mean, we had talked in general terms uh, a couple different times. Like, hey, it'd be cool if we did a little thing, or and then we it just kind of evolved into like, you know, let's let's take the industrial marketing summit and make it that thing, uh, because I don't think doing two of these in a year would probably uh, max me out. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, it it really was that simple. So the other thing I want to touch on is promotion. So you mentioned, hey, we're getting tired of our story, but people are telling us we have the right cadence. What's the, in your opinion, what's the right way, or what are the skills needed, I would say, to um, promote an event effectively? So for us, there's a couple of different ways that we're promoting it. It's different this time, again, because we had the audience from a larger event that we were trying to, you know, the, that, that last one, we had a booth at the event on the first day of it, and we were trying to steer people to it on the second day of the event. So we just made sure that we had a clear story, a clear, you know, it's right down the hall on the third door on the right kind of a pitch. Um, but we, we went old school too. So promotion-wise, we, uh, we have an ABM team, and we pointed uh, a lot of our ABM team at this. So uh, trying to make sure our customers knew about it. So a lot of them, um, you know, they're not, if they're not necessarily on LinkedIn or they're not uh, super engaged with our emails, we sent mailers, we called and uh, did personal invites and just making sure that each one of them knows that uh, we'd love to have them there. And it, it's, you know, that's that personal touch again. Were customer attendance spots free or did they have to pay for it? Uh, they paid. Yeah. Um, anything else from a promotion perspective? I mean, not really. We've, we have done some, we did some LinkedIn ads, uh, and some, you know, the, just the general type of, you know, industrial marketing promotions. But, um, honestly it's, it's been kind of a self propelling, uh, event. It's lots of word of mouth. <laughs> lots, lots and lots. Awesome. Um, any, uh, again, we, skill sets we talked about, journalistic skill sets to help tell the stories. 
uh, ability to build relationships for partnerships to help with, you know, kind of spread the load, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and then promotion. Anything else that you think is critical from a skill set perspective to put on a good event? Yeah, I think uh, just the vision. Um, knowing what other events are out there. Um, I haven't been to a ton of events in the last couple of years, but I've been to so many over the years that I know, I knew the things I didn't want it to be. Um, and I, you know, I, you know, I'm, when I go to a session and it's completely a, a commercial for whatever I'm at, I'm just tuned out. So having a vision of uh, what you want it to be and, and the alternative of how those can go, um, and that's another part of, you know, we're on the exact same page with uh, Wendy and Joe and that this all has to be about the value to the audience. And, and we've all been to those events where it's like, you know, a two day commercial for something and, and we don't want it to be that. How did you decide, you know, what things to do versus what not to do? Is it strictly your own kind of vision, opinion, or the, you know, the three of you, the, the three folks you mentioned, or... Did you pull your audience? Uh, just more of the the conference as a whole. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, the three of us um, and a few others from our our teams. Uh, we debate it out and hash it out, but we're really all of a like mind. It's it's fairly rarely that we've had anything that was a real sticking point so far. That mm-hmm. uh, it's really you know I had the luxury of and the curse of it being, the, you know, on our shoulders for the first two times. So we kind of built uh, the the framework for an event and, and they both agreed with a lot of what we we're already doing. Yep. So uh, I want to go back to a couple of things to the, the early days, if you will. Yep. One is, you know, your decision to piggyback this off of an existing, much larger event. Um, Talk me through that. Like, how, how did you decide which event to piggyback off of, for example? So, yeah, and we were, it was Content Marketing World that we were um, attached to the first couple times. And uh, they were an awesome team and they were open to the idea. And that's really, um, I was at the event in 2018. It's in our backyard. We're, in, we're located in Cincinnati. That is in Cleveland. So, logistically, we could get a lot of our team there. Um, it was also uh, within, you know, if you drew a bullet of all of our customer, a bullseye of all of our customers in the, in the United States, Cleveland is like the dead center of a lot of manufacturing. So those things made it um, a great way for us to, to dip our toe in the water. Um, it's a fantastic event in itself. Um, there's a lot of content around, well, obviously content marketing, but um, around other topics that uh, we wanted our audience to see and learn from and uh, that they were super eager to work with us, come up with creative ways to um, make this happen and were supportive all along. So, um, you know, the general tactic has been around for a long time. You know, people will go to conferences, they book a separate room or something, or they, you know, do dinners and things like that. Um, But for those who are maybe looking to dip their toe in the water, what would you recommend to them in terms of like, finding the right event to piggyback off of? I, I think I w- it would start, I'd, I'd go all the way to the beginning and make sure that you're talking to your customers uh, to the level of, you know, they'll share with you their pain points and their challenges um, and baby step it. I would start with smaller things. Uh, even if you did, 
you know, we've done much, much smaller events for other products that we've done. Um, and it doesn't have to be a huge thing to have a whole lot of value. It could be a meetup or it could be a networking thing outside of an event. The challenge that we've always had when it's, uh, you know, in the same time as, an, as a larger event uh, while being outside of it is pulling people out of the event is, is a very big challenge. So you can either have it before the day after, got to make sure you can, travel can line up. If you can do it, a local thing and get people to come out and just, just, it doesn't even have to be anything more than a meetup. Um, but I, if you want to take it, to, you know, to sessions and uh, uh, curated content, I think you really got to know what your audience wants to hear, what they need to hear, um, and make sure they have your trust to to want to come to your event uh, and know that it's not going to be, you know, something that they don't want to be at. Mm-hmm. And what about um, logistically? Like I'm, you know, I would, I would guess that if you came to um, the, the organizers of content marketing world and they said, hey, we're going to put on a, an event at the same time, uh, but we're not but we're not going to exhibit at your event, they probably wouldn't be terribly happy, I would guess. Yeah, we don't, we, we don't, we think of our, our event as a, a yes and to content marketing world. Uh, and that's why we, so this, so content marketing world is in a week. Uh, and a half from now, uh, in sep- mid, uh, late September, uh, and ours our event is going to be in early 2024. So we are making sure that we are not competing with them in any way, or, or inbound or any of the other uh, events that we don't want people to have to choose. We al- we also we have the list of all the manufacturing events, and we found a little gap in there where uh, we could fit our our mm-hmm. event in, and hopefully it's nice and warm in Austin, and people want to come <laughs> down there. Yep. Well, and I was, that makes total sense. I was talking more about the, again, a couple of years ago when you're piggybacking off of theirs. And I think, uh, yeah, just having it with it. Yeah. I I mean, it, we benefited from being in, you know, I didn't have to think about catering or, you know, all the other, the infrastructure things that go along with an event because we, we just ate the food at content marketing world and all those things. Now we have a whole new can of worms that we have to think about. Uh, which is, it's the fun and the challenge. Yeah. Let's talk tools. Um, and again, when, I, when we talk about tools, it's broader than like, what tech did you use for your ABM promotion or whatever? Although feel free yep. to bring any of that stuff up too. But like, it, it could be a process that you found that was, that's successful. It could be a... a you know, hack, whatever, uh, whatever you want to talk about. But um, what are the tools that you found uh, that really help with this? With events? Yeah. Or, man, I mean, I it, it comes back. I live in HubSpot. I'm a, I'm a bit of a HubSpot junkie and, uh, you know, crunching the data as far as uh, people that uh, are more apt to, to talk to us and you know some people are tough to get a hold of all those kind of things um are a big helper but really uh as far as and i i love all the tools uh this is kind of manual it's 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 kind of old school as far as a lot of this goes so um it's elbow grease making calls sending we you know we'll do three i've done three mailers on the last couple we'll do mailers and i don't do mailers for anything else and that's one of those things that's like you know, that's a bit of a dead tactic as far as I see, but 
it if it gets a couple more uh, responses for a very you know I'll send a mailer if I know exactly where it's going and there's somebody at the other end of it and um, you know there's people not being in the office is a new challenge for those kind of things but mm -hmm. yeah we'll go a little bit old school on something like this so um, the fact that it's manual ma makes total sense like what are the are there any processes or um, again tips and tricks if you will that you found that helps that manual process go smoother if you will um i don't know i don't think i i you know a lot of it is uh we have a couple good um partners that we work with there's fulfillment companies that make something like a mailer you mm -hmm. know a, a snap um and that uh sends saves everybody on the team from having a lick a thousand stamps or whatever it would be but um process wise again uh we use a lot of hubspot uh for nurturing uh, tracking who we're interacting with, making sure that we have a fresh, clean list, making sure that we're not sending things uh, out into the abyss. But again, this is um, some of the stuff is manual. I mean, there's there's that we're doing LinkedIn marketing for this and other things too. So it's not entirely that kind of manual. Right. What are you using to, or how are you managing the the speakers and presenters in terms of like you know I know we talked about earlier helping them flesh out their things like are you, is that all managed in HubSpot? Do you have a spreadsheet? What are you what are you doing to do that? So we're um, each of us is working with uh, about a third of the uh, speakers and we we manage it in a generally in a shared spreadsheet and we're just um, building out that content so we know there's no overlap that ever that everybody has um, sort of aligned topics but um, I guess that's kind of manual too. Yep. What are the things like? What are the things that you're tracking uh, in that spreadsheet? Just topic and speaker name, or yeah, you know, speaker name, the company, kind of what the company's about, um, and then things like the the agenda, topic, the the abstract, um, some bullet points, uh, and where that story is going to go, just so that we we again don't have too much overlap. So uh, let's talk about the fun part, results. Uh, I know we talked about initially, like, hey, you know, there's a lot of intangibles, but uh, again, I'm guessing if there was no business impact, this, was not, this would not be happening. So what can you share about business impact? Yeah, like I, I alluded to before, the, the months leading up to the last two events were our highest traffic months all time. Um, on our website, which uh, for, for us, that's always a leading indicator of things to follow. Um, so it's, you know, from a brand perspective, from uh, an awareness perspective, it was a big driver. And then uh, downstream from that on the other end of it, we heard from so many of our customers um, that, you know, the, the direct one-to-one -one anecdotal feedback, I had a great time, thanks for having us, you know, all, you know, looking forward to the next one. They're all lined up, ready to, to sign up for this year's. And that's what we want to hear. We want to hear that they had a good time, that they're at the event. And um, we definitely had more than a few deals that, that came out of it or, you know, that, you know, downstream, you know, relationships were built. And uh, that's always a good thing. Awesome. Anything else that if you're first time 
event organizer. Anything else that we didn't talk about that you think is important to call out? I mean, I would find, you know, there are companies that can do all this for you. It's very expensive. So if you're, if you want to offload almost all of the, the work, you can do that. Um, it's just a challenge. If your event isn't big enough to pay for that, that bill at the end of the day, it's tough. It's tough to justify. So I'd say baby steps and prove it out, um, test, uh, test, analyze and, and start over again. Perfect. Well, Adam, really appreciate the insight. Uh, I know for, I'm sure for you as a, this is the third or fourth iteration of this, like this is all kind of second nature at this point, but for, there's a lot of folks out there that want to do it and don't really know where to start. So thank you for sharing all this detail. Um, let's hit the lightning round. All right. So lightning round. What is the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success? Uh, it tends to be marketing qualified leads uh, and uh, new meetings set. So we're, um, we always look at things like web traffic, uh, just our general broad conversion numbers, but I know we get a lot more conversions than our qualified. So uh, the marketing qualified and then sales qualified basically becomes when they take a meeting. What is something new you're looking forward to testing out this year? Now, I'll, I'll qualify this. This could be completely outside of events or maybe something new you're, you're looking forward to testing out in your com upcoming event. Um, I, outside of the event fit space, I need to uh, finally start uh, getting on the whole AI train. I got to start. You know, I've tested it a few times. haven't been super impressed, but every time I go back to it, it seems to get better and better. I think using it strategically and using it uh, sparingly is, is kind of the key as far as I've seen so far. What is a marketing best practice that you actually hate and thinks needs to think needs to go by the wayside? Oof. Best practice in air quotes. Uh, marketing best practice. Um, I don't know. You have any examples? I'm, 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 Ones that need to go by the wayside. Hmm. Like things that people commonly do that you don't think are the smart way to do things anymore. I mean, I think, think uh, you know, ask, asking too much too early, I think, is, is one of those things. I think um, things uh, need to be nurtured along uh, a fair amount uh, longer, usually, than they are given, you know, a little bit more breathing room. So... Uh, kicking something over to sales uh, too early would probably be one of those things. What is your least favorite business word or phrase? Oh, man. Uh, bumping this to the top of your inbox. <laughs> and I've, I've even done it a few times. I'm like, Ugh, gosh, I'm that guy. Because <laughs> sometimes you need to. But like when it's somebody that's just blowing you up and you get it yeah. like three times in a week and I'm like, all right, it wasn't accidental the first two times I didn't respond. Yeah. 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 I think there, there's definitely a difference between doing that internally to whatever your boss yeah. or somebody, a colleague or something where you think they might have missed it versus the cold outbound that's like bumping this up in case you missed it. I'm like, nope, didn't miss it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your favorite business or marketing book? Um, uh, Joseph Lewin, who you might know, turned me onto a book called Writing Without Bullshit, and we we reference that all the time. Uh, that and the original Inbound Inbound book was good. 
All right, something uh, on a more personal level. Um, what is your favorite song or genre of music or playlist to listen to while you work? Oh, while I work. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, so I can listen to, uh, there's a Pink Floyd album called Pulse that's like their kind of live greatest hits. I I basically wore that one out at this point. It's it's I I can just it's on repeat. It's 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 there all the time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you for playing along. This has been fun. Hope you enjoyed it as well. And uh, obviously, I know people can find you on LinkedIn, Kadena's Part Solutions. Feel free to follow them too, and um, uh, check out their event if you're in the manufacturing space for sure. Yeah. Uh, anything else marketing. you want people to know about you, Adam? Yeah, the Industrial Marketing Summit. Uh, is uh, happening uh, January 31st to February 2nd in Austin, uh, industrialmarketingsummit.com. We will be announcing speakers uh, very soon. So excited about that. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you again for everybody else. Appreciate you listening and watching, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.